Hello and welcome to What Next for Wales. This week on the podcast, I am joined by Gareth Davis. As all of you will know or remember, a celebrated Welsh international and until last year, the chairman of the Welsh Rugby Union. He still has a keen eye on the game in Wales and the reason I wanted him to come on was simply because rugby is such a fundamental aspect of Welsh society. I know that won't please all the football fans listening to this, but it, it undoubtedly is. So what better time to chat but after the Six Nations, no Grand Slam, but still the Championship. At the minute, though, in Welsh rugby, there's especially a lot going on between the regions and the Welsh Rugby Union. I mean, it's, a, I think, an uneasy relationship since the, the 1990s, really. And currently, the disputes, I would call it, or the, or the accusations being thrown in different directions is between regional heads and former players who are you know, bickering, uh, debating over financials, the quality of the regional game in Wales and even apparently some controversy about Welsh players calling out wrong signals during training after the Six Nations, which is uh, quite a funny story that we um, touched upon very briefly in this podcast. I'm sure that some of Gareth's comments uh, won't be with what you all agree with. Uh, I thought that lots of it was really, really interesting, a different and much valued perspective. That's the whole purpose of this podcast, of course. So I hope you enjoy. Here's my conversation with Gareth Davis on What Next for Wales. Gareth, Chrysler Eel Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Gareth. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, sort of uh, like everyone else, I suppose. Uh, sort of uh, uh, being quite pleased that sort of uh, we seem to be getting through this pandemic and there's, there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Uh, yeah, looking, forward, looking forward to doing uh, perhaps uh, some of the things that we uh, uh, took for granted in the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the last time we spoke, I mean, it's been a very sad reality to every guest I've had on I've had some sort of connection to them so I was telling Martin Johns in the first episode I was the last time I saw him I was drinking in a pub with him uh, we were in the more glamorous uh, scenes of Jesus College Oxford uh, which was quite a quite a nice place to be and I remember that very fondly so hopefully we'll get back to that uh, the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be seems to be there actually for uh, Welsh rugby in some senses because of the Six Nations what was your take i have to ask you on the six nations and how it went for wales yeah you know delighted for you know for the players and for the uh, for the coaching team um who'd come under some some pretty severe criticism i think after the autumn uh, which was obviously a difficult time for everybody and uh, it was certainly a difficult time for the team and uh, and i think following the autumn i think there was sort of um you know there were there were some doubts i think uh, there was criticism from from the media and the general public, and you know people were calling for for Wayne's head, as it were, and Stephen Jones and the others that they you know, they, they weren't doing their job. And uh, but I think you know whether whether by design, um, you'd like to think that it was by design, not by accident. But I think the uh, and I did quite a few sort of Roger Cumbry interviews when I post out each of the matches um, then to say well. What was going on, though, as I say, partly by accident, was a sort of a, a severe examination of, of, of the young talent coming through. It's, it's fine, you know, to say, yeah, you've got to pick this youngster because he's playing well for the Scarlets or playing well for the Blues or whatever. But it's only really when you're, when you're together in a, in a sort of a fairly intense training environment, when you actually get onto the international field, that's when people, I think, really you know, do sort of announce their arrival properly as international players. And I think I think the coaching staff took that opportunity uh, during the autumn 
it aid in terms of the autumn tests themselves and obviously being in camp for four or six weeks or whatever to you have know, to find out about people it's not just about how far you can kick a ball or how uh, you can hit rucks or whatever it's about you as individuals as well and and i think you know i think he probably he, he probably wayne probably got quite close to some some of the young talent coming through and i think he was quite he was clearer by the end of it as to who, who was going to make the six nations and and represent Wales in the future and perhaps he was going into it so i think he, he used that period well it was a difficult period uh, you could say very unsuccessful period, but it led to riches in 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 the in the spring, as it were. Now, I think the, the thing to be careful about there is that you know Lady Luck was on our side as well, and uh, uh, some some nice French refereeing also, I suppose. So so a number of things went our way, which 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 it has to, I think, to win to win Six Nation Championships and Grand Slams, even though you know we didn't quite do that. So, so Lady Luck needs to be on your side, and sort of we obviously benefited, uh, you know, from uh, two sendings off Ireland and Scotland, and uh, and you know some debatable uh, refereeing decisions against England. But you know, still, forty points against England was sort of a is, is quite satisfaction, satisfying, uh, whatever the uh, the backdrop and the circumstances are. Yeah, who knew there were so many referees with Welsh links uh, in the Six Nations, which is which is an amazing thing. Um, but I just wonder more broadly, actually, just because obviously you were instrumental and, you know, were a part of WRU during the Gatlin era. And we're obviously, I still think, actually, uh, and I'm just a fan, and I'm not a rugby expert, but I think we're still in a transitionary phase at the minute uh, in this new, you know, the PVAC era. Do you just think that fans, as well as maybe rugby journalists, were still caught up in this, or still are perhaps caught up in the, the Gatland the Gatland decade, because it's going to be very hard for Wales to get to those heights immediately once again. Do you think? Do you think that's why there was such a, um, you know, an antagonism towards towards the the coaching staff to begin with, and they didn't they wanted success just to carry on straight away? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You say that though, you know. So even probably eighteen months before Warren finished. There were still people after his after his blood, you know, and uh, you know a couple of bad performances. Oh, they're not they're playing boring rugby. It's all this power stuff. You know, there's so many of that, and people are bringing forward his record against the Southern Hemisphere is you know is is, is pretty appalling, really. So it's a role to it's worse than being chairman, I think. Yeah, uh, exactly. The national coach, you know, because you just can't win. You know, the only way you're going to win is if you did win three Grand Slams on the trot, and that's that's you know, very unlikely to happen. Hope it does, but uh, uh, no. I, I, look, I think Wayne is uh, he's, he's a different individual to to Warren. He's uh, uh, he's equally demanding, but demanding in a different sort of way. And um, you know, he's a, he's a hard taskmaster, and um, because perhaps he, he's more he's more engaging. Sometimes he's, he talks to people more than perhaps what Warren used to. Uh, so people tend to think perhaps he's a bit of an easier touch, uh, but I can assure you he's not. And uh, you know, when, when we appointed him, we had a, we had a panel. I'm not, I won't, won't tell you who they were, but mm-hmm. we had a uh, we had representatives from you know, players, coaching, etc., et independents, what have you. And it was it was a unanimous decision to to appoint him, and and a lot of that was based on we drew up certain criteria. You know, have you been successful at regional or club level? Because, if you haven't done that, you're going to be very unlikely to be successful at an international level. And then the other one, the other major point for me was uh, is, is, is selection, because that is critical. That's where England, I think, have lost it in terms of uh, 
you know, the, uh, Eddie and his coaching staff. I think that their selection has been uh, pretty pretty poor. I think in terms of uh, uh, that has led to perhaps you know, their slight demise this year. Although I'm sure they'll be back as well. But selection is all important, and we sort of liked what we heard about his sort of uh, philosophy, if you like, about uh, about selection, and indeed what he'd done at the Scarlets, of course, the sort of the style of play and the style of players he had uh, in those successful years. Uh, at the Scarlets, whilst whilst appreciating uh, international rugby is uh, again a couple of steps up from uh, from the the, 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 you know, the domestic uh, competitive scene. Mm, and, and just to reflect, perhaps on the last twelve months, maybe moving away slightly from the the playing because there was there hasn't been much, you know, compared to to recent years anyway because of the pandemic. And until last year, you were obviously the chairman of the Welsh Rugby Union. And that's the last time I interviewed you were chairman. Obviously. Uh, finished that role in sort of the autumn period what are your reflections just going back to that time not throughout the whole period but especially when covid hit because obviously you might be slightly disappointed that you're not on the the council and and chair any longer Uh, but what was it like in those first months um you know with the wru with this uncertainty for the sport i mean i imagine it was an incredibly difficult period yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. It was tough to start with because it, it was. If you remember, it, uh, it involved the Six Nations game, the game against Scotland, which we yeah. called off the day before. Um, so it's sort of, you know, that week was a harrowing week, really, in terms of, you know, should we should we call it off? Where other events are going on? So medical advice, scientific support advice is, it's fine to stage a mass event in the open air. So, you know, so who who are we to go against? Uh, uh, you know the the sort of professional expertise uh, and the scientific advice. So that it started there, and then obviously things happened very very quickly. With sort of, a, I think that was early March, wasn't it? March fourteenth, I think. Mm-hmm. And then by the twenty third, uh, all of the UK was in lockdown. You know, so it, it, it things escalated very very quickly. And I, so I suspect that most people, and us including myself, didn't really think that this was going to be as serious as it's turned out. And uh, so we were then faced, of course, with. Uh, uh, our sort of um, uh, our tap of income, if you like, had been sort of turned off quite severely and quite drastically, and uh, you know it, it 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 was a huge problem because we obviously our, our major costs were uh, associated with the professional game, really, and players' wages, etc., uh, funding for the for the regions and what have you, and uh, we knew we were going to be under pressure. And the sad thing is, and perhaps we'll come on to this later, but you know the sad thing is. Whilst in, in just in the last week or so, there's been a lot of rumblings about the WIU and the relationship with the, with the region. And, you know, back in March, we were in a, a really good position where, you know, through working working together as much as we could, we'd got to a position where, you know, the funding for the regions is going up from 20 million to 26 million, which, you know, with with varying degrees there, I can't remember exactly the figures now, Scarlet's probably the... the, the uh, Top earners, if you like, from the union, earning over eight million, which is more than the more than the English clubs. You know, you talk about oh, Wales are poor. No, they're not. It isn't just a money thing. So I think people people generally do need to move away from that. Yes, funding is important and in professional sport, but you know, you look at the the game last weekend. You know, where you had the, the Scarlet team full of international players. Um, Playing against Sale, who's uh, I, I know for a fact that their wage bill would be far less than Scarlet, and we, they lose by fifty points at home. And sorry, you know that's not about money. Uh, that there, there are some other things afoot there. Some fingers have been pointed at uh, you know they, they're with the national team for too long. 
well, you know, uh, that may be the case, but it's the same for every country really when it comes to international competition, the, the star players are away. So, so it's not just about money, but we, going, sorry, going back to your question though, we were, we were in a good position in, in, in March and having agreed um, the sort of uh, the, you know, the, the distribution of, of, of funding. And as I say, 20, up to 26 million. So it, look, it looked, we, we could be set, I think, for being you know, pretty competitive from certainly from a financial point of view. And then obviously COVID hit and the 26 million evaporated very quickly, I'm afraid, because of the arrangement that the union and the regions had put in place um, with you know, certain monies being safeguarded for the, for the, for the game itself, the community, community game. The surplus then above that was for the programme. So that could be anything, any particular year. It's more successful the union and the regions are together, the, the, the more that the, um, that the regions would, would, would receive and earn. So um, it, it, it was tough, you know, and then all the uncertainties. Uh, and obviously one big challenge that we had was sort of converting the stadium into a, into a hospital. Um, uh, together with the the, uh, the, the National Centre of Excellence uh, in, in Hemsel. Um, so two of our, if you like, two of our bases were, were basically out of action from a, from a WIU perspective. And they were sort of a, now sort of being run by the NHS. And I think we were, we were obviously more than glad to do that in terms of playing our part, if you like, in, um, uh, in, in trying to fight this disease. Mm. And we will definitely go on to touch upon in detail on, you know, that, that Scarlet's game and the comments made by the likes of Richard Holland, Simon Mudarak and, and others uh, over the last few weeks. But just uh, a final point on, on the last year then, obviously, if I remember correctly, that you were obviously quite keen to stay on as, as chair of the WRU um, at, the end of, at the end of last year. And obviously, um, you know, having lost your seat to Yayan Evans on the council, I just wonder... From me looking on the outside, you know, was that what was needed at the WRU? You know, because it, it seemed like a period of bit of instability in a period where you needed stability. And I just wonder. Obviously, you'll have your own personal feelings about what happened, but do you st- has your perspective changed at all about what happened, or is it is it just water under the bridge now? Always water under the bridge, as far as I'm concerned. You, I, I, I had six years, memorable years. I really enjoyed my time um, in terms of. I think we did a. We, we brought Wales back, if you like, in terms of outstanding, especially outside Wales. The, you know, the, the relationships weren't great back in 1314. Um, we sort of had you know, quite, a, quite a successful time business-wise in terms of generating funding for the game. Uh, we started doing some governance changes, which are much needed. And to be honest, it needs to go far further. Um, and in some ways, I think that was... Uh, <laughs> One of the reasons for my demise, to be perfectly honest, in the sense that uh, when I say demise, obviously one of the one of the governance changes we introduced was the chairman would only do two terms. So I totally understand that. But I think because of the differences with with the chief executive leave, leaving as well, and in discussion with some of our, shall we say, uh, uh, more enlightened uh, non-executive directors, uh, sort of you know, when we discussed staying on for a year or so just to try and get through. And that, that was it really. And, you know, and I look back now, you know, in some ways, thank God I didn't because that year would have been quite a miserable year, really sort of no rugby, you know, basically knocking on people's doors for asking for more money and, uh, and the start of a fight with the regions, maybe, which is, which is what it seems like at the moment. Yes, exactly. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, that, that fight with the regions is, as I said to you yesterday, Gareth, you know, what I, 
was really interested in your perspective on because there's been so much discussion and I think it's always hard like I said to you to get you know to, to articulate what somebody's actually feeling because you do it through Twitter you do it through a a column you know I'm guilty about this on other topics it's really hard to really kind of clearly express how you feel about something but some people have been very clear over the last uh, over the last few days and weeks um let me just um start this discussion on the regions by reading a quote to you from Brian Moore uh, who I don't normally quote from at all uh but um he uh shared a tweet which I think he put out a few years ago and he sort of applied it to uh, recent events after the Scarlets obviously lost, what was it, you know, 57-14, which is, you know, as a, as a Finetti boy was a bit depressing. Um, but anyway, this is this is the start of the, I won't read the whole thing, but he said, the regional clubs of Wales are the prime example of what happens when you leave it to market forces, but dabble a little bit. They are neither one thing nor the other, neither truly independent bodies nor fully supported franchises. This cannot go on. For the sake of Welsh rugby, the Welsh Rugby Union, WRU, has to take a short-term hit and reimburse the regional investors and then get back get and then get hold of the nation's game and order it properly. This has been a lingering issue since the start of professional rugby, obviously, in Wales. We could, we could, we could go all the way back to the 90s and the demise of Neath and all these clubs and so on. But in terms of the context of you mentioned the finances already, just just give me a sort of a, an intro into the whole debate now as to you know, the situation between the WRU and the regions, you know, is there, is there a party to blame? You know, what is the next steps to fixing this relationship if it's broken? I, I can genuinely say, I, I genuinely thought we were, we were making progress. So I mean, we did make progress, but I was clear that, you know, it's, it's not one side or the other to blame, really. I think, and it's, it's not one side or the other that's going to fix it. The only way it can be fixed is by, by the entities working together. And that, that is what we started to do in the sense that, again, through the governance changes, we, we created a professional rugby board, which is there to run the, which is there to run rugby, professional rugby. And uh, despite what, again, you read in the press, WIU overruled the PRB. In my time, the, the WIU never overruled the PRB. Whatever the PRB decided actually went through. So, so that, that is, you know, just to put the record straight on that. I can't remember one incident when uh, that, that was the case. The, it was interesting during my time, as, as I say, what we were trying to do was to, to move away from this four independent businesses, as it was at the start, and, and this nasty WIU master at the top, and to, and to create this sort of um, a collegiate sort of effort, if you like, where we had what we called you know, five entities that were, that were in, interdependent on each other. That you know, we couldn't survive without them, they couldn't survive without us. And, and all five entities bought into that, and business plans were worked out. Uh, I see somebody, somebody was calling this week for three years, three year business plans. That's exactly what we were doing, trying to prepare three year business plan. The problem is the game has fluctuated so much, and so many things have happened. And, you know, the, the, the disappointing thing, perhaps not surprising at the end of it, in, in most of the meetings, now I, I wasn't a formal member of the PRB because I was chairman of the union. But I used to attend the meetings, so some of the meetings, particularly early on, because, because I, a, I was interested and really wanted the thing to work. And in those meetings, you know, there were certain of those meetings, I, I was gobsmacked with the, with the decisions. They, major decisions were arrived at quite easily. The problem was when people left the meeting, the decisions all unraveled. And that created then some of the, 
uh, you know, fodder for the media, if you like, because they loved it, didn't they? <laughs> when uh, you know, Scarlet's were going to merge with the Ospreys, and God, that, that was big news in itself. But then when that doesn't happen, of course, and it becomes Nasty Swansea against Nasty Nessie, mm-hmm. um, a you know, real tribal enmity, if you like, that sort of the, 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 you know, fosters good, good, good sort of um, uh, good media stuff. So, so, so there were lots of, say, lots of meetings where people were leaving their meetings, having decided things. And I'll be honest, during my term, most of the most of the difficulties and the challenges were between the regions themselves. Whether it's you know it was the Blues and the Scarlets or the Scarlets and the Ospreys or whatever, you know the whole debate that they created when they suggested that North Wales should be a region that that came from the regions, not not from the union. Amazing! I, I was so open mouthed in the meeting, and I sort of uh, they brought this forward because we had a two day away session. I remember, you know, one of these brainstorms where you put everything on a on a flip chart, and the, yeah, yeah. That, the thing that came out was there should be four regions, and one should be in North Wales, and that's how Osprey Scarlet's debate and the merger all sort of that's how it started. So. So do, say during my time, it was it was basically a case of let's 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 work together, guys. Let's try and do do things together. Do we need five marketing people? Do we need five finance people? So that, that was the start of it, and still haven't done that. You know, that's not that's not very difficult to do, but because you've got you know some very proud people, very successful people, and you know the Scarless board is full full of you know very successful uh, individuals who will be successful in business. The blues, likewise, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you know, people don't give. You know, and sport is sport is odd. You know, it's uh, it's odd, and I, I mean that in a nice sense, because people care so much about the the entity that they're involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and this may sound a little bit critical. I don't mean it, but they, they don't actually care about the bigger picture. But that's that's the reality. They care about their patch. And, and, and I say that, that in a sense, is a, is a strength, if you like, but also then leads to great difficulties in, in, in which, we, which we have seen and which we, you know, we're beginning to see now. I just, I, I, I hope it doesn't sort of blow up into a, into a big row as it did years ago, but because uh, I don't think there is any need to do that. And, uh, and that, that actually isn't, isn't going to solve the problem. But uh, I'd, like, I'd like to think that the, the Union and the regions are, We've been you know, grown up enough to get around the table and try and try and thrash, thrash things out. Plenty to unpack there, but let me ask you a quick question uh, from what uh, Cardiff Blues Chief Executive Richard Holland said uh, over the last few weeks. You know, he described Welsh regional rugby as sort of full of mediocrity. Mediocrity was the word that he used. Is that is that a fair assessment then? Because it seems to be that there are these factions emerging. And I mean, the net, I, I, this is my personal opinion, I think the tone has been very negative at the minute. Um, but Richard Holland did say that. Well, what would you make about that specific comment? Well, I assume Richard was referring to the Blues, I suspect, because uh, I think that's probably the only area you can comment on. Um, uh, which, yeah, I, I, I can't sort of disagree too much with that, I suppose. It, it is, they, they have been fairly mediocre. There have been spikes in others. You know, we've seen the sort of Scarlet's two or three years ago. Uh, doing particularly well, um, but but generally, I suppose they've they've dis- I suppose the regions have disappointed uh, in terms of expectations when you've seen the, the national side doing so well. Uh, that, mm. that again, pretty much used line in the sense that you know, why are Wales doing 
so well at Six Nations. I mean, won so many Grand Slams and, and championships over the last 15 years or whatever. Uh, and then the regions are, are, are struggling. Now, you know, it, I'm not going to look the guys slightly critical earlier on of, of Simon's comments about, you know, the guys were tired and confused. And don't quite get that, but uh, there we are. Um, <laughs> but but, but they, I think the point there really is not, I don't think they're tired and confused. I think they, they are away from camp a fair bit and you, you get, they come back in, you know, in terms of the Scottish with nine, ten players. So it, it does cause disruption, no doubt. Um, uh, so that could be an issue. And I suppose the, the money side, really, because the danger with all this, you know, I, 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 I use the Scarlets as an example in terms of recruiting. You know, here they are, they had, they had, they had Reese Patchell, they had Lee Halfpenny, sort of playing fullbacks or whatever, and, and the other positions. Then they signed Liam Williams. Now, you know, that, certainly that wouldn't have come uh, particularly cheap. So was was that a good signing? I think Liam's played two games this year, I think, and uh, three matches, I think, and he was sent off in one. So, um, you know, so there are examples, I think, where, you know, God, is is that is that sensible sort of uh, use of what we what we all obviously appreciate our, our limited resources. So I think, you know, I think the I think the regions do look at have to look at themselves to to a greater extent. At the moment, it just seems to be it's everybody else's fault. Uh, there's very little sort of self-analysis. That, that's how it reads. Again, that's, it's just, I'm away from it now, so I'm not sort of a, so I'm not not involved at all. But if I was, I find that I am now just a sort of a, 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 a an interested rugby fan, if you like, reading stuff that's going on in the regions, and it it obviously is somebody else's fault. Well, I don't think it is. I think it's everybody's fault, if you like, or it's everybody's responsibility. And I think that's what. Uh, that's what people need to take on board. I think someone like Richard Holland, for example, uh, yes, if there's mediocrity, then let's try and get it right. Because, you know, you look at the commercial performance of the Blues over the last 10 years, it's been abysmal. And it's the capital city of Wales. So there's a lot of mediocrity, but it's not always other people's fault. And I hope my uh, listeners will forgive me sort of quoting different uh, people to you, Gareth, because the reason I want to do it, obviously, is to, to get that other perspective. Because I think at the minute it is... And obviously you're not you're here as a as an interested fan, of course, but it's nice to get a, another perspective on it, which I think we probably haven't had, to be honest with you, over the last few weeks, certainly speaking as a as a Welsh rugby fan. Let me just pick up on a specific thing again, then on the on the financial side of things, because that is where the, the debate is. And uh that's what Simon Mudrak at the Scarlets did say was that um, you know, that there's this a little bit of a myth that it's commercially advantageous to have those Welsh players. You know, this that's the that's that's his that's his opinion. He's entitled to that. Uh, it seems as if a bit of nuance is needed for that sort of comment to be made, and it's not as straightforward as just as the commercial elements, like you just said. Yeah, look, it's it's I think I think it's a very difficult one for the for, for the regions in terms of uh, the, the top line players and to, to their credit and to the credit of the union, obviously great efforts have been made over the last couple of years to to ensure that as many of the top stars, if you like, uh, are actually playing in Wales because that is important, I think, for the development of the game that youngsters can see their heroes play. Um, but obviously that that comes then as a you know to to attract your Liam Williamses and. Uh, you know, the half pennies, you know, back to play rugby in Wales, it's uh, and to retain the players in Wales. Actually, it's, it's quite attractive for the players because that actually puts their ante up in terms of in terms of wages. So it's yeah, it's 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 
was a it's great to do that but you know how often do these players actually play i say liam i think played three games this year i know he's been injured for, for a chunk of the time as well so so it, it is a it is a, a difficult balancing act and i suppose where i think the scarlets to be fair have been very successful in recent years maybe not recently but in over the years in in their backup players if you like or their, their overseas players have been uh, you know, I've been there week in, week out, and they've been of quality. That's where Sale came through last week. You know, they said they had hardly anybody apart from Curry, I think, uh, who had been involved in, in the Six Nations. So they've got all these guys who've been there through thick and thin over the last few months and obviously developed a, a, a good team spirit and a good understanding of each other, as opposed to the Scarlets, who on paper had six times as many caps. I think I read a stat that they had 690 caps as opposed to 100 odd. For sale, but so you know, you'd say on paper, Snelly team was way stronger. But you know, there, there were other there were other forces at play, I suppose. And um, uh, so, so it is a difficult one where you want to you want to stop your team with top line national players, but your know, top line national players in Wales uh, are pretty expensive commodities. They're sort of a because you know I've seen some figures recently which suggest they're far more expensive than international players in England. And before we move on uh, from the financials of it, uh, because I think that's it's an important part, there's a couple of more fundamental questions I wanted to put to you. I just wondered what you made of uh, the specific controversy or reaction, I, I could put it, around this £20 million bank loan uh, that Andrew Coombs, uh, obviously a former Welsh international, uh, spoke out about, asking how the WRU could justify leaving the regions to pay that back and how he put it across um it does as as you again reading it it does come across that there's even i mean andrew was um andrew coombs is the most notable player i saw speaking about it again it does seem there's a sort of factional element to it that that is this big you know nasty wru and these regions are being forced to pay this even though they're providing a service to the union so i don't know what you thought of that in particular yeah, look, I, I think I, I think the issue there as well is the is the term I think of the of the repayment because you know English clubs for example have had funding from government but they they've been loans as well which have to be repaid I think over a twenty year period um, you know and but this comes down of course isn't it on, on the one hand you know the the regions are insisted on being independent businesses and you know so so. So is it fair then that the union takes on a 20 million debt and has to re, you know, which it dishes out, if you like, or hands out or presents to the to the to the regions? And you know, I I I I I don't know. I, I think it was a reasonable arrangement. The only the only issue with it, I think, was the was the length of term. I think you know three years is penal because if you're paying back. Is it just the best part of five million each over three years? That's going to decimate their business plan. So, in some ways, I suppose that would would be counterproductive, really. So again, mm -hmm. but I but I understand again purely from what I sort of I've read and maybe picked up the odd thing that uh, uh, that that you know that that is being negotiated by government at the moment. So so that the you know the the, the rules, if you like, in in Wales will mirror the rules in England, so nobody's at a disadvantage. I think. More fundamentally then, and I think you touched upon it, and this come out in some other people's comments, that there's this perception or there's an acceptance, actually, that as long as the national team does well, it doesn't matter about 
the regions. That's what, I mean, I actually just to put just to be very controversial. I would prefer Scarlett to win the Heineken Cup than Wales to win the World Cup. That's very, not everyone will agree with you. That's that's just that's the way I think. Um, so, do you think there's too many people in Welsh rugby? And uh, they could be you know in board positions. They could be fans. Whatever you want, however you want to interpret this question. Are there too many people that think like that? That is, as long as PVAC takes us to the semi-finals, we win the odd, the, odd, the odd Six Nations, and you know that's fine. Basically, we don't really care how the regions do. Is that is that really what you think the feeling is like in Wales? And is that really unsustainable for Welsh rugby as a whole? Yeah, look, I, I don't think rugby, genuine rugby people, think like that. I think it goes back to the point I made earlier on about. What we all have to strive for is to is to get the five entities as they currently are. There are four regions and Team Wales. You know, go, we're winning the World Cup and we're winning European Cups. You know, that, that's 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 you know that's what we that's utopia. That's what we want. But um, and but unless we work to go back to my point earlier, unless we work together, if we're going to be continually battling, we're never going to do either. Um, now there's a chance, I think, you know, in terms of you know we've done particularly well. At, at international level over the last few years, we I am sure we can do well at, at regional level. You know, when we when we try to put go back to the two, three, four years ago, whenever when we try to get this blueprint going, getting the funding sorted, and uh, getting getting the regions to present their business plans, we 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 beg them, and to be fair, they did to a point. We begged them to be realistic. Right? Where are you today? So you know, it, was the, it was the year, actually, the Scarlets won Pro 14 or Pro 12, as yeah. it was then. So what, what is your business plan for next year? So you know, And to be fair, Nigel and Nigel Short and the guys from Scarlets came back. Right, our business plan next year is based on winning Europe, which, which to be fair, was plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yes, Scarlets can 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 win Europe next year. So in order to do that, they wanted a playing budget of X, blah 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 blah. So they would have put a bid in for whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, the Blues, don't you come to us and tell us you want to win Europe next year because you, you can't win any games at the moment, right? It was it, it was it, I, I exaggerate slightly. Sorry, Cardiff Blues. Um, but but that was uh, yeah, so so what what, are the, what what's your ambition? Realistic ambition for next year? So their real, realistic ambition was to qualify for the Champions Cup, say. So then their business plan is predicated on that. But the Dragons, well, the Dragons' business plan was to win six games. So they, so, so that's where the discrepancy in funding came. So I can't, again, don't, don't quote me, the figures aren't accurate, but the, the, so the, at that stage, the Scarlet should be looking at getting seven and a half million, the Dragons would be looking at getting four million. In order to, to achieve those business plans. Now, well, once you become successful, I think, and you, you know, the, the Dragons win six games, so suddenly they're going to they're going to get more people watching. They're going to be more attractive to sponsors. So that's where you know. So it doesn't mean the end of the Scarlets will always be top of the pile because you know sports is sport is cyclical as business is cyclical. So I think that would have changed, and that's why that's my regret really that we couldn't have stayed. With that, and I, I, again, a lot, a lot of that is down to the pandemic as well. You know, sort of, whilst the regions weren't particularly happy, maybe two years ago with certain funding issues, as as as, as always would be the case, I suspect. But you know, we we were making making headway. Those decisions were being made by 
by the, the professional game. You know, that, that, that's, that's against a bit of a myth out there that the, I think I mentioned earlier on, that the WIU are you know, sitting on and clamping down on, on regional funding. The, the regional funding is agreed by the professional rugby board. And, uh, and whilst you know, the situation since the pandemic has obviously uh, has proved more difficult, but you know, so, so going back to your original point about is it Wales or is it Wales or the regions? You know, look, I was firmly in the camp that you know, really trying to push the development of the regions because if you do that, I think you will get a strong Wales. Uh, if you if you only put your egg in the Wales basket and you and you ignore the regions, then perhaps down the track you won't have a strong Wales. So I think you know, do that at your peril in that sense. Do you think then, looking at the uh, specifically the sort of private equity investment uh, in the Six Nations, obviously we've seen that that's been a, a wider trend at the minute throughout sport and in particular rugby. All these discussions that we're having about investment and finances, that those TV rights are really important as well as a source of income. Do you welcome that uh, investment to begin with? And second of all, there's been obviously some concern that you know, the prospect, the possible prospect of, uh, you know, games going on, uh, paid for TV and so on, doesn't make the sport so accessible. I just wonder how you would approach that in terms of, we need this investment clearly in rugby because we're miles behind football and other sports, but how do we balance it right? Because rugby is seen as, you know, in Wales anyway, as the people's game is, you know, I remember playing in community clubs and whatever. There's a balance to be struck, isn't there? Yeah, look, and I, I think... When, when CBC approached us, first of all, uh, or private equity approached us, first of all, quite a number of uh, suitors came, came talking. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing for me really that jumped out, what wasn't so much the money, it was really trying to get commercially astute and successful people to fully maximise the, the value of the sport. Because rugby plainly... <laughs> can't do it themselves. That, that's, that's the harsh reality. You know, you look at the, the divides in the sport, you know, the sort of, it's always club against country. It's always north against southern hemispheres. Um, and it's always, you know, major developed countries against the undeveloped countries, if you like, or less developed countries. And, and we can't seem to, we can't seem to come together for the greater good. It's all based on this sort of your local little patch, if you like. So that, that was the attraction for me in, uh, in seeing CBC come to the table. Um, and obviously they've, they've got a task on their hands and they're in a very powerful position, having sort of bought into uh, you know, the, the Premiership in England, obviously Pro 14 and now the Six Nations. Um, the, so, so I think, you know, I think they, they, they obviously will bring their expertise to the table and part of that will be television. Um, I think there is a sense, you know, there's the debates, uh, I'm still involved in the debates about the sensitivity of uh, free-to-air as opposed to pay. They, they will unquestionably have to be a balance there somewhere. Um, and what, what, what we were mindful of putting on the table was that you can't, you know, you can't expect one or two nations to take the hit because the reality is it, it would be England would be the popular nation to, to go on free-to-air. Free uh, because of chimney pots, basically, and probably the next would be Wales because of the appeal, the general appeal rugby has to the Welsh nation. Yeah. So, so those discussions, I, I'm not sure where they've led to now, but uh, I, I'm sure there will be safeguards. Uh, there will be free to air. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think, maybe not everything will be on free to air. That's the 
that's what people have to grasp with. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting now in terms of uh, the developments moving forward in terms of where Pro 14 goes or Pro 16 goes, for example, will there be more of a free-to-air and pay pay mix there? So because people have been complaining about that over the last few years, only being, or the majority being, being on, on Premier TV. So I think it's it's a balance you need really to, because on one hand, you've got to maximise income because everybody's knocking doors down the, we want more money. Uh, well, where is this magic money tree? Unless it's coming from, really, uh, television, television in the main. Mm-hmm. Just to bring bring things to a close, just so you can enjoy your afternoon, Gareth, and enjoy the enjoy the sunshine. I, I was, yeah, we've um, we've talked a lot about uh, what individual people have been saying collectively, the sentiment, and you know, I think obviously you provided a more kind of conciliatory vision. I think, or um, you know, stimulated a a way to think about how things are going and to give a bit of nuance, which is welcome. I just wonder now looking specifically at Wales, specifically between what is emerging between the regions of the union, what would you do next in terms of bringing people together? Because it seems right now that every week we've got new comments coming from somebody else and things obviously will be going on behind closed doors. But what needs to, what needs to happen in the first instance to bring, bring Welsh rugby together? I think it is, you know, the old cliche back to the drawing board, I think, to, to a large extent. Um, you know, I, I know I don't know how much debate and discussion is going on at the moment. I'd imagine I'd like to think there is because obviously, you know, again, both are dependent on each other in terms of, you know, the playing side, the, the funding side, etc. So I'd like to think that, look, we, we, we had this the, the agreement between the, uh, uh, the union and the four regions of, you know, all, all tied into a uh, a professional sort of uh, uh, arrangement. Do, you know, does that still hold true? Um, is is that is that still the way ahead? Which which I think it is. It's got the, it's, it's really got all the foundations of it. What what moves, of course, is money, <laughs> and and you can you can have any agreements arrangements in the world. You know, the best ones are the ones obviously you don't have to look at, and you can just sort of abide by by the way you behave with each other. And I think that's the that's the challenge for for everybody now. I think is it's not to throw mud. You know, it's a, now whether mud has been thrown because those debates aren't going on, I'm not sure. But I think uh, that's that's an important start. I think uh, you know, even if it even if it leads to a bit of a punch up early on, I think it, I think it probably needs that to get into a room, metaphorically speaking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think people need to get into a room just to say, well, look, where are we? What has changed? Yes, the, the agreement I think still holds holds true in many ways, but what do we need to tweak now? Bearing in mind, you know, every business in this on this planet has probably had to tweak things over the last eighteen months, last uh, twelve months or so. So I think uh, you know the, the relationship between between the union and and the regions is no except, exception. So I think they really need to start and hopefully going back to my earlier point about you know neither long term will be successful unless unless both are. Are still viable and, and moving forward. You know, the, the last thing we want to see is to see to see any regions crumble. Um, the last thing you want to see is see the union struggle. So I think you know we we, we both have to be you know we we have to have this sort of uh, symbiotic relationship uh, existence, or otherwise we we won't be there in the future. So just just really hope that they being adult and mature enough to get around the table, to stop throwing mud in in public in, in, in many ways. Uh, and and try and thrash it out. Just, it's not easy. Look, you sort of, you know, 
uh, yeah, I was right in the middle of it for yeah, well, initially on the outside, then on the inside, and now back on the outside. And it's still, you know, it's still sort of same sort of behavior, if you like. And um, I think a lot of people have to take that on the chin as well and really do their damnedest to try and get it, try to get, get things back on track. Some wise words. Um, thank you very much, Gareth. The last question I'll leave you with is who is going to be your Lions captain? Oh, um, I think it has to be Alan Wynn, I think. Uh, going to South Africa, you know, you, you need that. Phys- I think Martin Johnson got picked because of his size, didn't he, in terms of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Referee knocked on the door. He was absolutely- and I, I, I think there, there, is a, there is a bit in that as well. I think... Ali Wynn has probably proved himself to be uh, the more the most astute captain as well in terms of dealing with referees. Yeah, no, I complete well. Uh, not for the last time, I we completely agree, Gareth. So that's that's really really useful. Um, you see, I'm 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 said lots lots of amazing things. I'm glad for all these amazing things. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to hear more, you can keep up to date and listen to the latest episodes across your usual audio platforms, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Episodes are published every Monday by me, Theo Davis-Lewis, and the best way to send me your thoughts and comments is via our Twitter feed, at WhatNextForWheels. Looking forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for listening. Diolch.